Thank you, Lori. Well, we are in Romans 1, starting at verse 18 through 25. We'll actually look through the end of the chapter. and eh, it, It's a lot more, uh, I guess, I don't know if enjoyable is the right word, to speak about good news than it is about bad news. Who likes to be the bearer of bad news? And yet, as we look at this section of Scripture, there is heartbreaking news. And what is revealed is what life is like without God. That is the basis of the Scripture. And to be quite honest, in order to really understand how desperately everybody needs the good news, you have to come to grips with the bad news. And so turn with me to Romans chapter 1. And we're going to read 18 through 25 this morning um, as our, our text to the Lord. So ask when you find that. Stand in God's honor as I read aloud. Follow along. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what's been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that we're able to come here once again, Father, and worship you. And I don't think any of us are here by accident. You're at work, God, in our hearts. Only you know the situation of where we are. Everybody here, uh, Lord, has a story and a struggle. And praise be to God, available to all of us as a Savior. And I just pray you speak to us this morning, God, as we look at the hard truth of your word, what life is like without God, what we think like, what we long for, and ultimately what we end up pursuing with our actions and our behavior when you are left out. Uh, so God, just speak, Lord. Uh, I'm not much, but I'm yours, so I pray you work in spite of me. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, you know, first off, or actually getting the text, I, I want to say a word about sin. I think sometimes we preachers 
can get really fired up and start taking off on specific sins and beat pulpits and 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 and, and you know all this anger comes out and and yes as we're going to look at today sinful rebellion against God does bring forth his wrath but the truth is when we stop and look at it guys we are all sinners and planted within every one of us, including me, is a desperate need for a Savior. And as I thought about this, seeing I've talked about this a lot, that as I thought about sin, the reason God hates sin is because sin separates. Now, think about that phrase for a moment with me. Sin separates. Sin separates you. Ultimately, if you keep following that pattern, it can separate you from your health. It can separate you from all your relationships. It, it can separate you from your opportunities. And then ultimately, of course, it separates you in that ultimate relationship, which is God the Father, and which is eternity with Him in heaven. Sin separates. God hates it because He loves you, and He loves me, and He hates what sin does. And that's what this is about. But this is a picture of what happens when God is left out of our lives. And... You know, there are those that talk about, well, everything's just getting better and, and, and you know, mankind's going to reach that utopia. And, and I just, man, I just look around me and I see broken people. And I cut on the news and there's a lot of news about broken people. You know, everything in the world, uh, you know, I can't remember how long ago it was now, but, you know, you had that politician in the Northeast that got in that sexting scandal. And of all the names, his name's Winger. You know, it's like, that is just nuts, Lord. And it got to chuckle a little bit with that, but on the other hand, there's really nothing funny about the uh, heartache that sinful choices bring. And then, you know, there was that awful news about those ladies that were kidnapped and for like over 10 years were in this guy's home as this guy uh, abused them. And, you know, just terrible things. And, you know, they were able finally to... To, to get out and, and to find freedom. And, and, and then we hear about the chemical weapons in Syria and, and the atrocities uh, in the Sudan and some of these nations where people are murdered uh, because they won't convert to uh, uh, Islam. Or, or and, and there's all, all this crazy stuff that happens. And then I think it was yesterday or the day before I read in the paper, for, for all you football fans out there, that great running back Adrian Peterson, who may probably be the, he's the best, I guess right now, that's playing and uh, that uh, uh, he and the mom of his two-year-old child are not together. And the word was that uh, his baby's mom's boyfriend, I don't know exactly what happened, but in, in a, a fit of anger, that two-year-old boy is dead as his boyfriend lost his temper. Man, that, that's heartbreaking stuff. Sin is heartbreaking stuff. Um, and, and as we look at sin here, as we look at this news of, of depravity, and, and, and we look at the fact that there is this struggle with sin in, in the heart of every person, um, the pain of that is, is not that we're as bad as we could be, because just when I think I've seen it all, I see something else, you know, it's like it get worse. But the fact of how bad we are without God without a Savior in our hearts. Uh, 
Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Talks about the first time God made the decision to bring a flood as he uh, looked at the condition of mankind and what he witnessed all around him. So, uh, turn with me there, uh, Ephesians 6, verse 5. It says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was on the evil all the time. Here it is from the message, that paraphrase. God saw that human evil was out of control. People thought evil, imagined evil, 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 from morning until night. Man, that's some bad news. That's what we're looking at here. But you come back to Romans chapter 1 and we look at our text and he starts out, he says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men. As you look at that, that word wrath, um, it's defined as a settled, firm, controlled, just wrath. And and the picture here is, is the picture that although God is totally loving, God is holy, God is set apart, and He has a specific response to that which is sin, which is evil, which is against His nature and against His heart, uh, it says in Isaiah 6, verse 3, and as you're reading that, Isaiah, that, those first verses of chapter 6, you, you enter in and you see this magnificent temple, and, and it says that the Lord was, was high and He was exalted. He was, he was lifted up and the train of His robe filled the temple. And then there are these words, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And as we look at our text here, we see how the whole earth is truly full of His glory. And notice their response here in verse 18. It says, The wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. To suppress is to hold down. It is to deny what is obvious, what is evident, what is clearly seen. And and notice the next verses. He says, Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God... God's made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. So what he's saying here is that creation itself constantly reveals God. Man, for those people who don't want to believe in God, all you got to do is look outside and see the trees and see the animals and, 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 and you know, I don't get into all the science, but everything is so intricate. The ecosystem and, and the air that we breathe and, you know, you can go on and on, but, but God is evident everywhere you look. The beauty of, the beauty of these mountains and, and all of life, it, it speaks of God. Listen to Psalm 19. This is from the New Living Translation. The heavens are telling... First six verses of Psalm 19, guys. The heavens are telling the glory of God. They are a marvelous display of His craftsmanship. Day and night, they keep on telling about God. Without a sound or word, silent in the skies, their message reaches out to all the world. The sun lives in the heavens where God placed it and moves out across the skies as radiant as a bridegroom going to his wedding. Or as... 
joyous as an athlete looking forward to a race, the sun crosses the heavens from end to end and nothing can hide from its heat. The heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, just one simple example of thinking about the speed of light and the distance of His creation from us. Uh, just read a few of these. These numbers get so mind-boggling, there's no way to grasp them. But at the speed of light, it would take 1.3 seconds to reach us from the moon. A lot quicker than our trip to the moon, right? 1.3 seconds. 8.32 minutes from the sun to reach us at the speed of light. But how long would it take to reach the nearest star system to us, Alpha Centauri? 4.37 years. Now, 1.3 seconds to the moon, but 4.37 years to reach that first star system. And then to reach the center of our galaxy, the Milky Way, 26,000 years. Now, I can go on. These numbers get crazy in the millions, you know, and everything. But the point is just simply, God is big. He's bigger than we can think or imagine or understand or grasp. He is a mighty God. He's an awesome God. And, and he, is, he is the creator. And, and, and He's so awesome. And, you know, from the minute you're born and, and, and you're a kid and you look at we go, wow. You know, you look around. This is so awesome. Matter of fact, uh, Cindy had sent me this illustration sometime back. It was the coolest illustration. talked about this little boy. Uh, Cindy Gray, our uh, secretary, not my Cindy. Sent so, so us this great illustration. And it said there's this little boy, and he's like playing with these insects. And this guy came by, and he said, he said, son, he said, I'll give you a dollar if you can show me where God is in those insects. The little boy looked up and said, sir, he said, I'll give you a dollar if you can tell me where he ain't. That's our God. How awesome he is. Um, but it says here, notice in our text, it says that these men suppress the truth. Hey, you've got to work at it. God is evident. As we, as we look at creation and, and as we look at all that He has made and we look at how He sustains us and, and how He loves us, I mean, you've got to work at it to deny that God is real and that God is in charge and that God is the mighty Creator to believe that this is all chaos and chance. takes a lot more faith than it does that there is a God who made it. You see, that's, that's been suppressed. It's been pushed down. I, I thought this was interesting. In, in Sunday school, we talked about Lynn Sanity, which was a uh, Jeremy Lynn, a basketball player, came out of Harvard, and he's, he's rich. But anyway, it's just interesting because you know, I've got this illustration here about Harvard University, which is where he played. But Harvard University was started in 1636, um, and it was founded by some Puritans some Christians who were had a real heavy heart to be pure before God. And the motto of that university when it was started, guys, was based on John 17, verse 3, which um, says uh, to us that there's the one God that we are to worship that gives eternal life and His Son, Jesus Christ. And the thrust of Life and starting that college was to say, we want our lives, our learning, our passions to be through God, through Jesus Christ. 
And it, just a couple of years ago, in the divinity department, there were a group of theological students who came through the chapel and they were carrying a coffin and, and they were chanting that God our Father is dead. Man, you know, what a change. A place that started with the ideal of, now this is eternal life, that, that, that you may worship, that you may serve God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And, and, and now we've come to God is dead. What's happened? Well, there was a suppression of truth that continued forward, that, that went ahead. And, and as you look at the Scripture here, guys, you see here in verse 21, this is so central. He says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him. Now, this is critical. This is part of this whole message. What has happened here? Why is this spiraling downward? Because people do not glorify God, who deserves the glory, and there's no gratitude. There's no stopping and saying, God, thank You, because everything I have that is good is from You. It's not about me. It's about You, God. And, and that is missed. The gratitude is missed. The glory is not given to the one who fully deserves it. And, and, and the response to that is this, this downward trend. And, and, and I want you to look at it here. It says in verse 22, Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. You know, and all, all, it says, And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God. He's the one who deserves glory. For images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and, and reptiles. And then he goes on here. Um, he says, therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. Hey, they had darkened passions, degraded passions that led to a degrading of their bodies with one another. And look what it says in verse 25. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Look down in verse 28. It says, Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, He gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. What happened? He darkened their minds. He darkened their thinking. And then there were depraved lusts and passions and strong desires that, that, that went crazy in them, that, that pushed them ahead. And, and, and guys, that led to a pattern of life that was degraded behavior. Look here, uh, I just read through it. It just describes the degraded behavior. This is what it looks like when a person's mind becomes darkened and his passions are, are depraved. And this is what it looks like when that next step is taken, where the pattern of their lives, their actual behavior, becomes defiled and depraved. He um, starts here at verse 26. I'm just going to read through the end of the chapter. I think it speaks for itself. He says, Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men, received in themselves the due penalty of their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, He gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, 
malice. They're gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They're senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, look at this last part. It gives this list. Of, this is what's like when we don't thank God for what we have, when we don't give God the glory, but we worship the creation instead of the Creator. When all this happens, this is what is the result. And, and look at the end here. This scares me to death too, and it's so much of our culture. It says, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. This is great stuff that you're doing here. It's not giving God glory. It's not being grateful to God. And it's not so great. No, it breaks people. It crushes people. It hurts people. And um, that's what this is about. Uh, people uh, worshiping creation instead of the Creator. I remember a couple of years ago when Lydia took that trip to China and Thailand. Um, she, she was just in awe when she went in Thailand. There were all these huge statues of Buddha, and people were bowing down and worshiping these statues. I mean, you know, you hear about that stuff. But she said, I saw it everywhere, and I was just broken. It was like, these people are lost. And this is the picture here. You know, you're denying, suppressing the obvious truth of there's God. And instead, you're chasing after the creation. And, and, and there's this darkened mind. And there, there's this chasing after these, these deep passions that, that are just going to hurt you. And it leads to behavior that brings pain and, and, and brokenness. Uh, um, God's not a divine bellhop just waiting to do what we want church is not about entertainment our job's not you know to for you guys to leave here and say man that was the best music i've ever heard and and man you know that preacher man you know no no that's not what it's about guys um the truth's not about me this is not about exalting me and when i say me i'm not just talking about todd i'm talking about individual it's not about any of us leaving here and saying look at me it's not about that guys Not about that at all. It's about coming face to face with a holy God who loves you and says, turn toward me. And we do that, we see he's holy. And we do that, we shake it in our shoes because we know we're not. And we do that, praise be to God, Jesus is there. See, that's, 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 that's what's here. Um, that's what's here. Uh, I want you to look... Uh, at another passage with me in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19, uh, that speaks similar words. Um, about a life where, where God is suppressed and the evident truth is not followed. Um, verse 17 through 19, it says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. The futility of their thinking is thinking that does not give thanks to God and thinking that does not glorify God. Okay. Um, they are darkened in their understanding, 
and separated from the life of God. See that separation of sin. Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Darkened hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Now, keep a finger there and go back to Romans 1. Three times here in this section of Scripture, guys, it says God gave them over. Uh, Verse 24, therefore God gave them over. Verse 26, because of this God gave them over. And then... um, Verse 28, God gave them over. Notice it says, uh, verse 24, He gave them over to sinful desires. Verse 26, He gave them over to shameful lusts. Verse 28, it says, He gave them over to a depraved mind. Now, um, that word, as it speaks, it's talking about God being active and yet passive, all rolled up in one. It is a picture of God letting us experience the consequences of our choices and our heart's desire. It is basically saying that within me there's this longing, man, to to experience this without God and and, and to enjoy it and and, and and man to find, you know, something that makes me feel good. There, there's you know that and God says, give you over to that. And and there's the result of that. But then there's the picture of, of God. Once you're there, He He, he's, he sits back and, and he, it's a dark time where God is involved. And, and, you know, I think back about Pharaoh. You know, we always talk about well, what happened to Pharaoh because, you know, it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart and then it says Pharaoh hardened Pharaoh's heart. So which is it? Well, it's some both. He did not glorify God. He did not give thanks to God. And that led him away from God to deny what was evident, to deny what was obvious. And the result of that was a life, a pattern of life that continued away from God. That brought pain and that brought misery and then ultimately brought these plagues on his people. This is what happens... um, when God's left out, the course that's followed, sensuality. Now, let me close this with some application here. Uh, first application. Um, man, when you take a look at this, first thing that ought to come to your mind is, thank you, Jesus, for pulling me out of that pit. It says in Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Man, that could be me. And without God, it would be me. I'm not talking about necessarily every one of these devices without God. But all of these, individually and and then together, they represent a life where there's no gratitude to God, where God is not receiving the glory, and that is that downward spiral. And I am trapped until God opens my eyes and shows me Jesus. Matter of fact, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4 also tells us there's an enemy that wants to keep us blind. It says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers 
so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Now you break that down and people are blinded. People can't see. There's no gratitude and and there's no glory because they're blind. And and specifically in that case, Mitch is not just the lust inside, but the enemy who wants to keep us blind and unable to see. And, And what can't they see? They can't see the light of the gospel. And why is it so important to see the light of the gospel? Because it displays the glory of Christ. And we're talking about a people that do not give glory to Christ, that do not give glory to God and no gratitude to God. And they miss it all. And, and it's a downward spiral. And so praise be to God that through the light of the gospel, Jesus has been displayed. You see, that's what it is. That's the image of God. And praise be to God when, if that response is yours, where you said, there was a time where Jesus became real to me. <laughs> Hey, man, He set me on a new course. He gave me a new hope. He opened my eyes. And He's so good. He's, he's, a, he's the one that blesses me. And, and thank you, God, for rescuing me. See, hey, I woke up yesterday before we prayed. This song was in my head. You guys, most of you know it. I couldn't help thinking of it. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking rise no more but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me hey now safe am I love lifted me hey praise be to God man I hope that's your your word your testimony the other side of it though the other response of it is maybe you're thinking you are a nut why are you so mean why are you looking at me and saying all this bad stuff, man? Why are you doing that, preacher? God's just saying, this is what you look like when you leave me out. When you don't give me glory. When you don't give me gratitude. And if things are so good, why are people so miserable? Now, i got some uh, statistics here on, on suicide. Uh, it says 30,000 people take their lives every year. Um says on an average day, one person ends their life um, like every 17 minutes. It says every hour and 39 minutes, an elderly person kills him or herself. And every two hours and 12 minutes, a teenager. It says overall, it's the 11th most common cause of death, more frequent than homicide, which ranks 14th. And among young people, it's the third most common form of death. Misery. A lot of people in that bad news. But you know, I'm grateful that my calling is not to, you know, the, the bad news. It's the good news. And, hey, you know, I love what uh, Charles Spurgeon, that preacher that, you know, a lot of preachers are always quoting, Prince Preachers. He, he, he taught a school for preachers, and he said, now, guys, he said, let's just get to the main point. He said, be true to your text. Study it. Preach what God shows you, but as quick as you can, head straight to the cross. Because that's where it is. To see the light of the gospel who displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Man, that's where it is. Um, There's misery because people don't understand God loves them. 
There's misery because people don't understand that He's the one. He's the only one that deserves our glory, our full attention, our full affection. He's the only one. And and He deserves our glory and He deserves our gratitude. And that sets us free. Think of those words of Jesus where He said in John 8, 34-36, after He's been talking with the Pharisees, and, and it says that Jesus replied and He says, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That's the difficulty. He says, Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Hey, as as we come to this time, we call it invitation, we call it response. My heart is always God show up, whatever we want to call it. Because the truth of the matter is, He is the one we all need. I know... As a pastor, a lot of heartaches that are here in different people's lives. Uh, and y'all know some of mine I shared last week. We're in this thing together. But you know what? Although we have each other, what's even more awesome is God is with us. And I, I want that to be said to everybody. I, you know, I don't want to leave here and say, you know, you're not just automatically a Christian. You have to come to grips with this bad news and say, man, I am messed up. I need God to, to, to enter my heart and to change me and to free me and to set me in His direction. And I just want to, you know, I wouldn't be much of a preacher if I didn't sound that truth and, and say, hey, I want you to do business with God if you never have. This is more than walking a church aisle. It's more than being baptized. It's more than joining a church. It's saying, God, I need you to forgive me and to set me on a course walking with you. Because when we don't glorify God and when we don't give Him thanks, this is where we eventually spiral down to. Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, uh, wow. Thank you uh, for a chance to look at Your Word. Um, I'm not one that enjoys bad news. I, I would much rather let people know who I'm for than what I'm against. And you know that's my heartbeat. But God, this this is truth. And there's a lot of places we don't hear it. May that not be true of God's house, Lord. And may I never fail to preach what's in Your Word. Give me Your courage. Give each of us courage to believe you, and to look at our lives next to you in your word and say, does that line up? And if the answer is no, Father, may we change, line up with you. Thank you for this chance to to be here today to worship. Father, if you're speaking to, to one here today, may that person say yes and follow you obediently. And that's That's the prayer. And so as we stand, as we sing, God, may you show yourself strong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.